Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, November 29th, 2021. Well, welcome back. Uh, hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving and hopefully you're able to follow along with some of the shorter podcasts we did there through uh, the letters in Revelation. But today, Lord willing, we'll be get back into a more normal routine here, looking at all four passages and going through now until Christmas. And today we want to start with a journey inside the throne room of heaven. Stop and think about that for a moment. What do you think it's like? What would you imagine a vision of the throne room of heaven looking like? Well, the good news is we're not left to our imaginations. The Bible gives us a description. And that's where we want to begin today. That's where we want to start this new week is thinking about this throne room of God. And as we get a peek inside, and obviously not a literal peek with our eyes, but through what is written here in this vision that the Apostle John had, we, we get a taste of what's going on in the throne room in heaven. And there's going to be some things that we see that might be hard to totally understand what's going on, but there's some things that are very clear, some things that should really resonate with our own lives. And so let's join John in this journey into the throne room in heaven. And let's think about how we should worship God today. And so he sees this door opening, uh, this open door in heaven. And this voice says to him, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And then it goes into all this description, uh, the, the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and there being a rainbow around the throne that had the appearance of an emerald. And so, I mean, that's kind of interesting. Emerald, you think green. Rainbow, you think multicolors. And again, realize that John is trying to use words to describe something that words can't really fully describe. And so we are left with somewhat of a real realization that we will get to see God in glory someday. Uh, But until then, we're stretching at the limits of what language can even describe. And it describes this 24 thrones and the 24 elders, and then uh, these flashes of lightning, rumblings and peelings of thunder, the seven torches, it says, which are the seven spirits of God, and this sea of glass. And then it describes these four living creatures as well, which make us think some about descriptions in Ezekiel. And again, just trying to describe what language stretches really to even be able to describe. And it's hard to exactly visualize what this must have looked like. And it's hard to fully understand. There's lots of debate about, well, what's going on with the 24 elders and what's up with these four living creatures? What's going on? And it's hard to arrive at some definitive answers about those things. But what we clearly see and what I want us to take away from our reading today is what is going on before the throne in heaven? Worship. That's what's going on. God is being worshiped for who he is. And there's three things that I want us to just take out of this today that reasons we should worship God today. 
And we see the two different times that these elders and the the creatures are worshiping God, what they say. Let's look at the first one there in verse 8. It says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. We see two things there that we should worship God for today. And the first is his holiness. He is holy. Now, holy, in its most basic form, that word means to be set apart, right? Even the utensils in the temple could be referred to as holy because they were set apart for a sacred task. And God is set apart. He is set apart from us. And really, the most way that's most seen is really through his complete purity, that God is totally holy. And this is where in first Peter we're commanded be holy for I am holy. That's really hitting on just God's moral purity, that he is holy. There is no sin in him. There is no uncleanness in him. And this also takes us back to Isaiah chapter six and the seraphim flying around the throne, crying out, holy, holy, holy. And again, seeing that, that word even being set apart to be used three times in a row, holy, holy, holy. And so there that that we should worship God for that today. What we see from the Old Testament to the New Testament is God is being worshiped as holy. If you see God on the throne, you are likely hearing those words, holy, holy, holy. That's the way he was. That's the way he is. That's the way he will forever be. And that gets us to kind of the next thing when it describes the Lord God Almighty as who was and is and is to come. That's really a reminder of the self-existence or the aseity of God. And that's another reason you should worship God today, because God is self-existent. He always was, he always is, he always will be. And even that's where Jesus, when he keeps saying, I am, that hints on really the name of God and what the name of God even gets to, that God is self-existent. No one made God. God depends on nothing for his existence, which is clearly very different from you and me. But that's one of the things that makes him God, and we are not. We are dependent. God is the only one, truly, who is independent. He depends on nothing and no one. He is God. He is self-existent. And out of all of that comes another thing that we should worship God for, which in verse 11, they say, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things. For by your will, they existed and were created. So we have this self-existing God who then overflows into this creation, right? That he made, and it's because of him that we exist. And therefore, he is holy. He is set apart. He is the self-existent, creating, perfect God. And we are his creatures. And so I hope those three things, God's holiness, God's self-existence, and God's creation cause you to worship God today. You don't need a vision of the throne room of God to worship him for those three things. And I hope you worship him for those things today. Now, as we think about God and reasons we should worship him, let's now go back to the Psalms where we finish up Psalm 135. And we'll talk a little bit about the whole Psalm. We're mainly focused on verses 
15 through 21 today, but since we didn't really discuss it this last week, we can touch on some things today as we see more of why we should worship God. And today we really see the contrast between the real God, the living God, and idols. These idols that have mouths but do not speak. They have ears but do not see. They have, uh, or say they have eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear. And then it says, those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. These things are worthless and those who make them or trust in them also become worthless. But we worship the living God. And that's what we have seen earlier in the psalm, going back to verse 5. It says, For I know that the Lord, Yahweh, and even that, every time you see L-O-R-D in all caps in your English Bibles, that's referring then to Yahweh, the, the formal name of God, which goes back to Exodus 3, and even that idea of God being self-existent, I am, that I am, for I know that the Lord is great. And that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. Whatever God pleases, he does because he is holy. He is self-existent. He is the creator. He does whatever he pleases. And we also know whatever he pleases is right. And then specifically, it goes on to describe what he did really in the Exodus in judging Egypt and bringing Israel out and how he helped them conquer kingdoms. That is an expression of God doing whatever he pleases. So that's another reason you can worship this God who is holy, self-existent, and the creator. You can know that today God is doing whatever he pleases in heaven and on earth, that he is in control and that what he does is right. Now, we've been talking a lot about worship today in the throne room of heaven, what we see here in the Psalms. But now let's go to John chapter 12, where we see a particular act of worship. And here we see Mary, who is the sister of Martha, the sister of Lazarus, anointing Jesus. They're hosting a dinner there for Jesus. Is this some kind of, you know, you think of a retirement dinner or a birthday dinner? Is this a thank you for raising our brother from the dead dinner? Uh, Maybe because I think there's some connection between that and what is done. Remember, we just looked at the resurrection in chapter 11, but then in verse three, it says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now this was a very extravagant thing. This, uh, this gift, this anointing, we learn later, they, they say it was very expensive. It could be the equivalent of a year's wages for somebody. And she really gives this up to give it to Jesus and to use it to anoint his feet. And I do think what we see here is an example of extravagant worship. Again, you might say, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, again, you do some things because you value someone that don't make that does they don't really make any practical sense. Does buying flowers make much practical sense? You know, we wear rings on our fingers if you're married, or to propose to somebody, you give them a ring. Does that make any practical sense? No, but you do it to show the the worth in your mind of that person. Well, she is doing this to show the worth of Jesus. And I think it's good for us to remember, if you are a Christian, you're not just giving thanks to God because he raised your brother from the dead. You're giving thanks to Jesus because he has raised you from the dead. 
And if you need a reason to worship Christ today, what further reason do you need than that? Our Savior, who is holy, self-existent, the Creator, He is the one who has poured out His mercy and grace on us and raised us from the dead. How amazing is that? Let's worship Him today. He, and He alone, deserves it. Finally, as we've been talking about God and even going back to Psalm 135, that he does whatever he pleases, we see an example of that in the future, I believe, in prophecy in Ezekiel 38 and 39. And here we see this prophecy about Gog and Magog. And it seems to describe this mass alliance and gathering against Israel that God really steps in and defeats. And some would argue that this is symbolic in some way. I think, no, this is something that is going to happen in the future. But I want us to notice even why God does this and how this connects with um, just other things that we have talked about today. Look at chapter 39 and verse 21. And it says, and I will set my glory among the nations and all the nations shall see my judgment that I have executed and my hand that I have laid on them. The house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord, their God from that day forward. And so as we think about that, God is doing this for his name's sake. He is doing whatever he pleases and he wants the whole world to know I am God and I will do whatever I please. And also we see really even later in chapter 39, God also has a redemptive purpose for Israel. And if you're looking for some parts in scripture that really convince me why I don't think God is done with the nation of Israel, we're going to see a lot of that in the coming days in Ezekiel. But notice today how when God acts to deliver Israel here in this future prophecy, he's saying that he is doing this really for the sake of his glory and that the nations will will know what he has done and that Israel will know that he is the Lord. So may we worship God today. And until we are there in glory worshiping him, may we still worship him because he is holy. He is self-existent. He is the creator. He is the God that does whatever he pleases. He is the one who has raised us from the dead. And he is the one who will work all things in the world together for his glory. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.